Welcome to Fill to Flourish with Luke and Lauren, where emotional health takes a stage and your story matters. Welcome back, listeners. We're back here again for another episode with Heather, just following up our last episode as she was just educating us and talk. We had this conversation about eight of the 13 patterns and systems of abuse. And these patterns and systems of abuse was created by Sarah McDougall in her book. Her book is called Safe Churches. So just a reminder uh, for everybody that's listening that this is heavy stuff. This is hard stuff. There may be eye-opening information. And so just as you're listening, care for yourself. Take, take breaks. Go for a walk. Keep breathing. Pay attention to your body. How is it responding? And, and always attune and care for yourself as we're going through this hard uh, material. So now we'll jump in with Heather and pick up on number nine of the patterns and systems of abuse. So welcome back, Heather. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me and just giving me this opportunity to share. Uh, again, I am not the creator of this list or the author of this book, but I feel that it's a really important message to get out and I welcome the opportunity to share. So number nine is the pattern or the system that we would call sexual abuse. And it includes, this is not exhaustive, but it includes forces or withhold sex, criticizes your body or sexuality, demands sex as payment, uses pornography or makes you use porn, has affairs or threatens to cheat, pays for sexual services from others, shares sexual fantasies about others, maybe even including your friends, lacks intimacy and connection, or sexually abuses or molests others. There is a lot to unpack in this category. And you all are, you know, you do an amazing job of just talking about and unpacking this for people. I just want to give a little bit of a disclaimer here, much like we talked about in the emotional abuse um, category, that if you are withholding sex because you are scared of someone, it's not that you're being abusive. It's that you're responding to abuse. So just to put that out there, um, because I don't want someone to think, oh my gosh, I don't want to have sex with him. That means I'm an abuser. That does not mean you're an abuser. Yeah. So when we talk about Some of these are kind of surprising to be called sexual abuse, okay? Some people are taken aback that we would call this. So the whole concept of porn, some people are, you know, just shocked that we would call that sexual abuse. It it has so many different parts. So we know that porn fuels human trafficking. And so there's the abuse of the people that are in the videos. That's one thing. And I know so many people who have issues with porn and are addicted to porn, but they hate the idea. They hate the idea of people being um, mistreated and abused with, with human traffickers. So the fueling of human trafficking is the consumption of porn. And if we would have less consumption of porn, we would have less demand for. And I think sometimes people just need to put those two things together. Right. And when you think that's someone's mother or that's someone's sister or that's someone's granddaughter, someone's daughter, and you start to humanize, you know, and see them as real people. And we also know that most people who are involved in pornography are not there by choice. Yes. There is usually coercion. There's usually drugs. There's usually threats. Um, Very, very few people are there of their own choosing. And even the ones who say they are probably really are not there. 
of their own choosing. So um, criticizing your sexuality, your body, making fun of you in the bedroom, out of the bedroom, that's a form of sexual abuse. Um, using again, power and control. Um, threatening, just threatening to cheat is a form of sexual abuse. So if you feel unsteady and unsure and you don't know if he is going to cheat on you, that's a form of sexual abuse. It just puts you in, again, that state of um, just constant fear. Uh, sharing fantasies about others or your friends. I, I think that is just really vile. And just if that is going on in your home, that is not acceptable. And of course, molesting other people. So if they're having affairs or they're molesting other people, even physically what they could be bringing to the bedroom, yeah. you know, the diseases they could be carrying. I mean, we, we just need to think about the, yeah. I was recently appalled when I read a, um, it was a blog post from a very well-known Christian ministry. And the woman was describing that she had found out that her, her husband had molested a child and this ministry was encouraging her. Um, there were other things that they mentioned and steps to take and all the things, but the end of it was encouraging her to reconcile with him. And wow. I was just floored. I was absolutely stunned, appalled, sickened that any ministry would tell any woman that yeah. she needed to reconcile as a wife to a pedophile. Wow. That is not God. That is not what God's word says. God's word has a lot of very clear things to say about people who do that to children. Yeah. <laughs> and he, no earthly father would ask that of his daughter. Right. No loving, no loving earthly father right. would ask that of his daughter. And why would we put that on God? Yeah. Well, I just, I mean, I'm just going to give a little sarcasm here. I mean, how is he going to be rehabilitated if his wife doesn't rehabilitate him? Isn't that her job? I mean, like mm -hmm. I'm getting in the minds of, of people uh, who would ever yes. think that was appropriate. That's what I they're know. thinking, right. you know? Yeah. Well, look at if he can be with this good, wonderful wife and he can mm -hmm. like have sex the way he's supposed to have sex, then maybe mm -hmm. he won't want children anymore. Like I'm just, I'm just. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's, it's very sick. And that is, that is a lot of what people get out there, even from so-called Christian sources. And it, it yeah. makes my blood yeah. boil. And yes. it is, it's not the heart of God. We, right. we can say that. It is clearly. not, it is not okay. Yes. As, as you're talking, like some of these things, we wouldn't intend, uh, initially put them under a, a sexual abuse. But as I hear you uh, talking about it, something that kind of jumps out at me is we can kind of put it under the umbrella of misusing, misusing sexuality. Like right. sexual abuse is the misuse of someone's sexuality. There you go. There you go. And so whether it's the, the guy misusing his sexuality in a marriage, that's going at affects the woman's sexuality. Like you said, if it's not, not using your sexuality or sex the way it's in, uh, intended to be used in a respected, consensual, consensual committed right. relationship right. where sex is the most is, is such an intimate experience and act for one person to be doing sexual acts without the knowledge of the other person there's that breaks apart the intimacy right there in, in the safety in the safety and then if there's the mocking of oh it's just words well that's sexual abuse because you're then 
again, taking the safety, the intimacy, and misusing, uh, mistreating the sexuality of the wife. I think sexual abuse can anything under that can be said of misusing of one or the other person's sexuality right. in a way that it's not intended to be used, interacted with, or talked about. And then like Heather shared in the beginning, adding that power dynamic mm -hmm. with that makes mm -hmm. it a uh, not just mistreatment, it makes it abuse. Oh, because right, if you right. have the power in the relationship, you're in that position. And, and hopefully, I mean, we've talked about power dynamics in regards to, to race um, and other episodes. So hopefully this isn't a totally new concept. Um, sure. Just that concept of power dynamics. Power doesn't just mean force, like physical force. Power, That's right. That's power right. of the relationship. Who has more? Right more position, more power. And it's almost always the husband. Right. And my absolute favorite resource for all things sex related is Sheila Ray Gregor's The Great yeah. Sex yeah. <laughs> Love, love, love that woman. Love her voice. Love that book. And she debunks so many of the myths and things that we have believed about, about sex, about porn, about marriage, about consent. Yeah. And yeah. she surveyed 20,000 women. So she's got a lot that she's drawing from. So I just, I go back to that as a wonderful resource over yeah. and over again. Wholeheartedly agree. And <laughs> I, I, this could probably be put under one of your, one of the ones that you've mentioned, but something I see frequently is, it is it a consent issue? It is a consent issue in some level, but it's more... Like the woman feels like it's her job to have sex with the husband. So there's not forced, quote unquote, forced. Mm -hmm. uh, it's mm -hmm. not coercion, but there mm -hmm. is a misunderstanding yeah. of, yes. of the use of sex. So that- right. The obligation sex message mm -hmm. yes. that, that, yes, is, and that has affected so many women in so many negative ways. Mm -hmm. And then also the idea in religious cultures that we have been taught that our bodies literally belong to and that our husbands own our bodies and that they can take what they want at any moment. And so we don't teach people that if they're doing that and we're not consenting, that's rape. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. it's not only, it's not only a sin, but it's a crime Yeah, <laughs> in, yeah. In, in the U S it is a crime. Mm -hmm. So, um, there's just a lot of people that are coming to an awareness that marital rape exists and that it's not okay. Yeah. And so yeah. if you are, if you're in a position where you have said, I don't want this and this is not, and I'm not comfortable and I'm exhausted and I'm tired and no, and it's taken from you anyway. Yes. That is marital rape. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And even a step above that is I am tired. This is my duty. So let's, we, I can have sex. So it's not, I said no, and we're having sex. It's, I don't feel like it, but I should. Yeah. And, and that dynamic is abusive. That's right. That's right. All right. Because that was fun. Let's move on to number 10. <laughs> All right. <laughs> None of these are actually fun. We're not. We're no. not. No. Yeah, these are all very heavy, but at the same time, I believe that just revelation and knowledge 
the well let me rephrase that the application of knowledge is power yeah not just the knowledge not just knowing it but the application of knowledge is power so we want to empower people to to be safe and to be well so number 10 is social abuse so some examples may include monitors your communication your phone email texting etc tracks your social media monitors your mileage discourages your friendships, dictates freedom for education or employment, obsesses on body image or appearances, limits equal equal social access, expects others to keep secrets, maintaining a glossy public image regardless of reality, or keeps you at home. And again, a disclaimer, if you are recovering from betrayal trauma because of an affair or any other type of um, lie, or deception that you have caught your husband in and you want to monitor his phone, his email, things like that, that does not make you an abuser. (laughs) That's a consequence, again, of abuse. Mm -hmm. So I know that there are people who will flip this and gaslight this and say, oh, because you want to see where I am at all times, you're an abuser. That's not true. She may need to see where you are and check your messages because you have broken trust in the past. So that's just a little disclaimer. But monitoring you, tracking you, stalking you, um, dictating your freedoms, like whether you can or cannot work, uh, that whole thing about public image versus the, you know, the private persona, that's a biggie. That's a biggie. And then keeping you at home. Those are all examples of social abuse. By image and appearance, uh, uh, they mean like uh, social because he's, they're focused on that so that they look good it's in social situation. Okay. Yeah, it's just how people perceive, I guess. That perception, okay. the Instagram, you know, okay. versus the reality, the reels of life where people are showing their highlight reels versus <laughs> reality. Okay. So the, yeah. the idea of wanting to like make them feel more grandiose or yes. yes. Okay. Yeah, that makes yeah. it's it's obviously abusive. <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm actually thinking of an example of that right now that I don't want to share. Um, not not in our family, but yeah, of of how you could be so image driven that you that is like at the top, and it doesn't matter whose feelings get hurt, who gets pushed around, who gets treated like absolute crap, as long as we arrive yeah yes this this is who we are this is who we project ourselves and our family to be it's a high it's a huge percentage of people on sunday mornings going to church right that's what i'm i'm wondering you know (laughs) fighting and bickering and screaming and as long as we put on our pretty outfits and we walk in and we we have a face when we walk through the door Hmm. that's what people are gonna see and they don't hear what happened on the way to or the way from yeah Mm. so sad the reality for, for, for so many people. Number 11, this is one that I actually do talk more freely about when I share my story. Um, I feel a freedom to do this is spiritual abuse. So I don't necessarily name names or call out specific institutions, but this is one that I feel, I feel so much freedom. I just feel like I can talk about this one more freely. So some examples of spiritual abuse, twisting scripture to avoid accountability using beliefs to gain advantage, leveraging spiritual leaders against you, silencing you with Bible verses, putting you down 
for your convictions or beliefs, isolating you from your faith community, dictating your access to counseling or mentorship, believing you need them to teach you about God or other soul-destroying behavior. So I have experienced a lot, a lot of spiritual abuse all through my life um, in pretty much every, every church that I've been a part of. So um, the twisting of scriptures is, is very common. And a wonderful resource for that is our dear friend, Rebecca Davis. She has three books now in her series where she takes some of the most commonly abused verses and goes back to the original context, the original um, translations. And she says what, you know, the heart, the character of God is and, and, and shows us what these scriptures actually mean versus the way they've been twisted against us and used against us. We just, we just got one of her one of her books. I think it's her third one. I'm really excited to, to excellent. dive in. Yeah. Excellent. And I know her personally and I can vouch for her character, her heart, her compassion. Um, she herself has not necessarily experienced these things, um, but she just has a passion for being a voice for those who have been. Wow. And so I just, I really, really respect her for that. What's the name of the book that you're talking about? Any of Rebecca Davis's scriptures. Yeah, she's got three now and she deals with different topics in each one. She's got a whole series coming. Yeah. So, um, but just isolating you from your faith community, um, dictating whether or not you can go to counseling or mentorship, um, have, you know, help available to you, silencing you, disciplining you with the Bible. We know the heart of God. We know that he loves people. And that he does not want his his word being used as a weapon. Mm. This one is so tricky and so powerful. When you, it's powerful to control people. And when you get out from underneath that spiritual abuse, the ability to heal or even understand God, God's heart and not see him through that lens of, of that power, that control, that manipulation the shaming and even being able to read the Bible differently. Right. Right. Not through that. And there, there are a lot of women in the group held and healed group that most, I think the vast majority have experienced spiritual abuse. And so we just hold space. We hold space for each other. And we do not throw a bunch of Christianese words, jargon and cliches. And what is the toxic positivity thing that mashes with spiritual bypassing, like all those things. We, we do not do that in our group. We say, come as you are, know that in this group, we will talk about God. We will talk about his word. We will be biblically scripturally based, but, but if you are not in a place right now where you can say that you feel his goodness or you feel his peace, or you feel like he's for you, that's okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Because we know We know that distinguishing between who God is and who he has been presented as and what his word has been used against you, we know there's a lot of unpacking that has to happen there. Yeah. And so um, we, we just hold space for women who say, I can't feel it. I can't believe it. We're like, we get that. And God gets that. God gets it. He saw it all. He heard it all. And he does not hold that against these women. Yeah, absolutely. I heard something the other day that really broke my heart. It was someone saying the abuse was so intertwined with her faith that it was almost as if God was abusing her. And my heart just like, yeah, absolutely. 
just felt the weight of that, like the the abuse from the the safest place that there should be for humans is the creator. And yet because humans do have power, I, I hate that sentiment of like, well, the church hurt you, but the church is just full of imperfect people and God is different. You should know the difference. Like it's just a very crass, yes, careless yeah. attitude that is not people centered. And it's also not understanding or trauma informed the science and the reality of relationships. <laughs> it is not. Yeah. It's not the least bit trauma informed. It's not people informed. So last night there was this discussion going on on my wall. And so we took, we took that old cliche that says, if being hurt by church causes you to lose your faith, it was in people, not in God that all that burned me up. And somebody crossed out the last part and edited it, say, saying, if being hurt by church causes you to lose faith, your pain is valid. God sees you. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, that's the space I want to hold for people. And then people were like, the church is people. And I'm like, stop it. Just stop it. If you need for it to be edited to say, if you were hurt by church people (laughs) and it caused you to lose your faith or it caused you to leave the church, whatever. The whole point is God sees, and he is not the one who did this to you. And the pain that you are experiencing is real. Yeah. Yeah. And you can come and you can share that here. This is a safe space. And people just wanted to go in different tangents about that and just lost the whole purpose or the, you know, <laughs> the heart of it. We're just saying that it's time to call spiritual leaders to account. Absolutely. And we can't just keep using this. Nobody's perfect because when no. you are in a position of leadership, you are accountable. You are held to higher standards. That's what you sign up for. The Bible and says going, that. Yes. Yes. Going around and just hurting people and flippantly send leveling and saying nobody's perfect is not going to stand. No, it's just not going to stand. No. So yeah, we have uh, two episodes towards the beginning, episode 11 and 12. Um, if our audience, if you haven't listened to these yet, uh, the desecration of spiritual abuse. And it's a two part series with a friend of ours who had a very spiritually abusive entire childhood from um, more of an extreme situation. But I think those extreme situations help us kind of see with, with a better lens we can kind of look into our situations and see where things had those patterns. But yeah, those episodes um, were, were really, had really high views and it just broke our heart to realize like the feedback we got and how many people resonated with right. the reality of spiritual abuse. And we both have definitely um, had a significant amounts and um, yes. <laughs> yeah, we, we can, we agree that it is time to make this a well-known reality and to just change, to to change the story because this is not okay. It's not acceptable. And to also say that you can walk away from organized corporate religion and not disown your faith. Like just because you don't attend church on a Sunday morning because you've been hurt does not mean that you have walked away from God. Yeah. Right. And right. so many people are finding community online and finding safety in groups like ours. And they're really experiencing a richness of relationship, even though it looks very different than traditional quote unquote church. Mm-hmm. So we are here to say that 
we love you and we see you wherever you are. If you yeah. are struggling in your, in your faith, that's, that's understandable. Yeah. And if you just don't feel safe going to church, that does not mean that you have forsaken God. It surely does not mean he has forsaken you. So no. yeah. A friend of mine. And I can go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, he kind of described deconstruction of like deconstructing your faith as taking away abuse where it's connected to God. All the abuses surrounding God. Yeah. And, w- and when you take away abuse, what do you have? He said, wow. Jesus. And, and that's all the purposes of what you're saying. Like if you're leaving the church, that's fine. Cause so much of a spiritual abuse, what does spiritual abuse do? It connects abuse and experiences of abuse and abusive characteristics to Jesus. Yeah. And if you take that apart and take that away, you have Jesus. And, mm-hmm. and I think, and we would encourage that. And Jesus encourages that. Well, you look at, you look at who Jesus like was more comfortable hanging out with. Mm-hmm. Jesus was so comfortable hanging out with what we would call sinners and heathens and pagans because they were real. Mm-hmm. and they were who they said they were and then he had a lot of really strong words for spiritual leaders and abusers you know yeah. so jesus was our perfect example and he stood up for the oppressed and he defended the rights of the weak and the lowly and that's my god yep. <laughs> that's my god yep. <laughs> yeah that's who i that's who i love that's who i adore that's who has been with me every moment of every day mm. and and I've been able, for some reason, it's just a whole lot of grace. I've been able to distinguish him from all that. And I totally respect and hold space for those who are all tangled up yep. and can't and can't distinguish it. But for me, I think that's the reason I'm still here yeah. <laughs> is that I was able to always know in my heart that my heavenly father was not okay with the things that were happening. Yep. So, wow. Even the things in his name. So, yeah. right. all right. Number 12, verbal, verbal abuse. Um, some examples of verbal abuse may be telling you how to do everything, cutting you off in conversations, putting you down, forbids you from talking to others about issues, shames, silences, or insults you, ridicules your appearances, abilities, etc. jokes condescendingly towards others, intimidated with intimidates you with words or tone yells screams swears calls your names or demands that you keep their secrets Mm. so um a lot there and i think you know most of those things are pretty self-explanatory yeah um Helping kids distinguish between secrets and surprises, you know, so secrets are usually hiding something bad (laughs) and surprises are like, I'm having a birthday party and I don't want you to know about it. So helping children to understand the difference between those two is really important. Mm -hmm. And if it's covering up something evil or something gross or something that makes you feel unsafe, it's a secret and you don't have to keep that. Find someone safe to talk to. Mm -hmm a lot to be said about our words and we mm-hmm. are here we're here to debunk the old the old rhyme that says sticks and stones may break my bones <laughs> but words will never hurt me that is not truth at all no. it's not biblical at all no <laughs> words are powerful and um we use them for good or we use them for evil and the thing about abusers is they know who they can and cannot get away with doing this to yeah so, you know, when you, you talk about like that public and that person, that private persona, if you are seeing one person in public and something else in private, 
they do have the ability to turn it on and off. They know who to charm and who to enamor with their words. And then they know at home that they can get away with. Yeah. The less, the less respectful things. I think it was Patrick Weaver that said it, it's not that abusers or narcissists can't change. They can change. They change all the time. They do they change exactly. for depending on who they're around is right. they change for. We're just talking about the heart. The heart does not change. Right. <laughs> typically, yep. typically the heart of the abuser does not change, but they can, they can change up their, their act depending on the stage that they are on at the moment. For sure. Exactly. And then all of these 12 patterns then um, revolve around number 13, which is a core mindset of power abuse and entitlement. And then just mm. some of those examples, creating chaos to gain control by turning people against each other, being a credit hog, um, takes other people's ideas and then doesn't share the glory, delusions of grandeur, believing that they're smarter, wiser, stronger, and more powerful than reality. They dictate their belief system for everyone in the household. They're entitled, acting as if others should give way to their preferences or take care of their needs. They're supremists, and they look down on the culture, color, gender, age, status, or think that uh, their identity is superior to others. They are obsessed with the word respect. Oh. you can tell an abuser pretty fast when they start throwing that word around they may get aggressive to their peers children or elderly who think that they are being if they think they're being disrespectful and they also again are fixated on appearances so they expect others to keep their secrets while they maintain a glossy public image regardless of what is reality So a lot of these qualities do describe narcissistic behavior, but some people are not comfortable with that word. So we just use the word abuser and that grandiose sense of self delusions of grandeur, just thinking they're better than everybody else entitled looking down on people. So all Mm -hmm. the other, all the other systems just kind of come back to this core. Wow. That's what drives all those behaviors. Yeah. Yes. Seeing that. So in a lot of ways, we could almost start with that one, but right. <laughs> this is, this is how she has it kind of outlined in her book. So I stuck with her, with her outline, but mm-hmm. yes. And again, to anyone who's sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, I've done this or I've done that. So I must be an abuser. My question is, does that describe you? Right. And, right. and most of the time it doesn't. Yeah. Okay. You, you know, most, most victims do not believe that they are better than everyone else or that they're, you know, entitled or that everything that they do is superior to other people. So that right there is a great indicator that you probably are not an abuser. So helpful to summarize and picture and hit on so many points, but also help us discuss not just the general, like, okay, we know what abuse is. But we, I, th- I think you did such a great job and Sarah does such a great job in expanding our definition of abuse to color it in and give us, flesh it out of and giving language to so many experiences that are, that maybe we have, like, I think so many times like, because of gaslighting, a lot of victims have a gut feeling, but not a language or not yeah. something to name it or point at. And I think that list is a really good tool to give additional language to the common language. 
So that I'm really grateful for yeah, you to bring in that. It's in the details. It's all in the details. An abusive relationship is many little things adding added up right to a pattern, a way of engaging with someone that is abusive. And so if you can't have clarity with the details of what is uh, abuse, when, when you continue to act this way without repentance, what does it look like? I just think that list could be so enlightening and life-giving to people. And helping bring some clarity to when in confusion. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. And we, you know, our desire, our heart is that you be safe and well. And I believe that's the heart of God, the father. And that, you know, I do in my group coaching, that is the first of the 12 truths. God loves me and he wants me to be safe and well. Yeah. It's foundational. And it's sad to me that there are women who don't even believe that one, you know, and you know, we don't want you to just take this list and go walk up to your abuser and be like, Hey, you do this and you do that. And da, 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 da. Um, be safe and reach out to um, someone who's trained to help you, you know, determine a safety plan. Yeah. But yeah. we just are here to bring revelation and to turn some lights on that maybe you're in that, or maybe someone that you know, and love is in that situation. Right. And all of a sudden lights are going on for you and you're thinking of your daughter or your friend or your, even your mother who lives with these things day in and day out. And you are now going to be a voice that can go and say to her, you know what, that's not actually what you deserve. And that is abuse. And I want to help you get to a safe place. So who knows who may hear this and just turn some lights on, but please your safety matters. And do not confront your abuser with this list. We don't, we don't want you to do that. Yeah, that won't go well. <laughs> that will not go well. And it could put you in extreme danger. Yes. So I guess as we wrap up, um, I'm, I'm curious if you could just share with us, what are some of the biggest reasons that you've heard in this world that you've been advocating for women? Why do, why do women stay? Why do victims stay? Even once they realize, okay, there's definitely abuse dynamics happening here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hear a lot of different things and I don't have like a study in front of me to give you like statistics on this, but what I hear over and over again, I think the most common is they don't see any other way out. Mm -hmm. They just don't see another option. So a lot of that is tangled up in finances. And, you know, I was a stay at home mama. And I celebrate and applaud that. But I would say to women, if you are a stay-at-home mom, find an income source that you can create from home. And so I would say to young mothers, you know, like, it is great that you're choosing that. And it is a noble calling. It is, you know, it is a high calling. But try to find something that you're passionate about and something that you can do that provides some income so that you are not 100% financially dependent on your husband. So that's one thing. The other thing is a lot of these women are chronically ill. A lot of them are chronically ill and they can't function. And so the thought of getting a full-time job, the thought of even just packing up and moving is just paralyzing. And so that was me five years ago as well. So I can, I can kind of speak to that as well. The other is just not seeing their worth and not seeing their value mm. and not believing that they're, you know, that there's anything better. 
not believing that they could do it. Some, of course, have young children and they do not want their child to be unsupervised with their dads half the time. That's, that's a real concern. And here in the United States, our system is not, it's not really for moms and kids. Wow. I hear stories every day that break my heart and, you know, women that have to let their kids go into these. If she left him because he was dangerous, she obviously doesn't feel safe with him. And then she has to send her kids to be with him. Mm. And, you know, for those of us who stayed till our kids were older, we at least could have our eyes and our ears on our children 24 seven. And that part, I don't regret. Um, so I think for a lot of women, it is their, their children that, you know, they're not necessarily staying for the sake of their kids, because I think a lot of us have finally realized that the abuse is not good for the kids, Yeah. but they really, they just really don't want to be separated from their children. So those are, those are like some of the, the highest, you know, or, oh my gosh, let's not forget the church, what the church does to women. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of times the churches, you know, will, you know, pretty much, you know, shun and excommunicate and ostracize women for taking a stand and they will lose like all of that support. So that's another thing, or they have just been taught uh, wrong things about God and his word. And they believe that they will go straight to hell if they divorce. Yeah. So, and that's not God either. So no. those, okay. those are some of the big, those are some of the big reasons I think that women stay. Wow. So how would you say people who are listening to this right now, obviously there's people who are listening to this, who may be putting, connecting some dots for their own story, but then there's also people listening, like you had said, who are thinking of people in their lives that maybe they haven't supported the way that they should have because they didn't recognize what was happening. So what are the best ways that you can think of um, some ways that we can encourage support and show solidarity to people who are survivors? If you're in that category and you love someone just listening to podcasts like this and getting educated, that is humongous. That, that is a just a huge step in the right direction, realizing I didn't know hardly any of this five years ago. So just having a humility to say, I do not know what I'm doing. I don't know what this involves or entails, but I'm willing to learn and have that teachable spirit. So I think that is a great first step and just taking the time to listen to the podcast and learn about the, the systems, the patterns, doing some, you know, deeper digging into each one of those. But beyond that, I will tell you the words that that woman needs to hear above all else is I believe you. Mm, yes. I believe you. And I did on my podcast, like harmful things that people say they're well-meaning their phrases. A lot of them are phrases I've used. And I've said like, it takes two or it takes two to tango, or there's two sides to every story. That is not true. When abuse is present, all of those statements are untrue. Yeah. It takes one. It takes one <laughs> to destroy a relationship. It takes yes. one to yes. break, to break the covenant. Yep. Um, it yep. does not take two. And so just doing away with the cliches and the little trite things that we say that we've been taught that are not truth. And they're so, so harmful. They, they shame victims and they blame victims. So mm -hmm. I believe you is a great place to start. I hear you. I see you. I love you. And if you have the ability to say this and mean it, I'm here. I'm here for you. And I'm here for the long haul. Yeah. 
and then learning to be a part of a what we call safe community or safe village for her. And, you know, we talked about the Give Her Wings Academy. That is a great place for people helpers. If you are really serious and you look around and you see how many women around you are dealing with this, it would be a commitment of about an hour and a half a week for one year. But at the end of that year, you would have so much knowledge. You would have so much clarity and understanding about abuse. Wow. And wow. you could really help these women. So if you are serious about, you know, maybe you're a church leader or um, a people helper in some capacity, that is some of the best training that you can get. That's amazing. But yeah, being there for her, doing practical things. I did a whole episode on things that help help survivors. You can go back and listen to that, even specifically around the holidays, including people in your lives and letting them be part of your family because a lot of women have lost everything. They've lost all of their support. Yeah. And we just need to rally around these ladies and show them that they are a part of us and that we love them. And we are not going to, we're not going to walk away. It's great. It's really powerful, Heather. Yeah. And just thinking, you know, what, what did I need? What did I long to hear, you know, and, and giving that, just listening to people sharing, just let them share their stories. Don't push them. Oh, another thing that I have learned by error more from doing the wrong thing is don't tell her what to do she has been told what to do by her abuser and so when we say you should just or you need to or you ought to like we are just one more person that's pushing her so take that out of just our our verbiage and and how we relate and just help empower her help her see how how smart she is, how gifted she is, how capable she is. And, you know, assure her that we are going to be there for her. Even if she makes, even if she makes a wrong mistake and she messes up because she's in like trauma mode that we're still going to love her and, but not forcing her or giving her an ultimatum or telling her what to do is a really, really big deal. Yeah. Wow. I just feel like everything you're saying makes so much sense. So so powerful. (laughs) So much sense. This is so valuable, Heather. And just filled with so much love, care, and and support and empowerment. That's isn't that what everybody needs? Right. 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 Isn't that it's just basic human needs, you know? Just a lot more when you're coming through trauma. Sure. And anyone who would find themselves in a situation this just world shattering life altering would need the same same thing like survivors aren't any different they just had a story that really really sucked but any one of us could have been in that story and would That's have needed right. the same things to find their way out to a new life to freedom to hope again to be able to see and appreciate beauty and goodness in this world it's it's just i feel like these groups that I have had the privilege of learning from and just literally like some of the most inspirational, powerful women I've ever, I've ever come across. Agreed. And we're not going to say her name, but one of our mutual friends introduced us to each other and she is amazing. And again, (laughs) the the worldwide web has just united this army. That's right. army of warriors that's rising up to speak against evil and um 
we are just, we are a force to be reckoned with. That's right. <laughs> For sure. It's so powerful. It is. It is like, it is just a whole new, a whole new ball game. Mm-hmm. And I, I am just excited to be on the side of good and the yes. side that we know, we know ultimately who wins this. So yeah. 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 yeah, it's worth every step, every every tier, every fighting for people, every point of advocacy that you're you're making. It all matters. It's like it's just a powerful way to love people. And yeah. I love that you said like people always. Uh, you're finding like people often when they come out of this um, and they start to experience hope again and healing. It's like I can't not. I think you said it right in the beginning. That's right. I can't not like go back and pull right. out others. Like, how yeah, could I not? That's right. That's, um, that's right. That's absolutely amazing. I feel the same way with chronic illness. I've had chronic illness for 15 years and I'm finally recovering. And right. I just told Luke, like, I can't not right. do this work. If, if this is really possible, that healing is possible and, right. and chronic illness right. comes from trauma. So it's all intertwined um, in my trauma story. And it's like, how can you not want this for everyone Everyone. when you start to taste the fruit of it? It's just absolutely, it it is like tasting life after feeling dead for so long. And absolutely dry bones coming back to life. Yes. That's great. That's great. (laughs) So thank you so much, Heather. Um, Oh, thank you guys. Really, really meaningful. I am grateful for you all. And thank you so much for this opportunity. Our pleasure. So thank you for listening. We hope that these these two episodes have been a great resource for you. Please be sure to share them if there is anyone that uh, you feel could benefit from them. And stay tuned for the rest of the episodes in in the series on abuse. While it is a joy to provide our podcast content as a source of life enrichment, Please note that information shared is not intended to replace or contradict any professional therapy or medical advice.